Hi there and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to our week ahead snapshot with world-class astrologer, historian, and author of the cosmic calendar, Christopher Renstrom. This show is designed to give you a quick overview of the week ahead, enabling you the gift of choice in how you navigate and weave these energies into your daily life. Enjoy. Where are you with all this talk of future change? Are you future change? Oh, for it. Or are you stop the world? I could want to get off. Next on Horoscope Highlights. Hello, my name is Christopher Renstrom, and I'm your weekly horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about Mercury forming a trine to Jupiter on September 25th, and then forming a trine to Uranus on September 30th. But before we begin, did you know that you could read about the transits for your own sign and subscribe to my weekly newsletter? Just go to astrologyhub.com slash horoscope. Again, that's astrologyhub.com slash horoscope to subscribe. Now, let's go ahead and talk about these Mercury trines. To begin with, the trines will be taking place with Jupiter and Uranus in Taurus, forming a trine to Mercury, which is exalted in the sign that it rules, Virgo. Let's go ahead and break it down. First of all, we have Jupiter, the planet of good fortune and higher purpose and Uranus, the planet of revolution and change, currently traveling through the zodiac sign of Taurus. And then we have Mercury, the planet of mind and communication, traveling through the zodiac sign of Virgo, the zodiac sign that Mercury rules and is also exalted or most celebrated in. A trine is a harmonious relationship that exists between two or more planets in different signs but the same element, all right? So a trine is a harmonious relationship that exists between two or more planets. You could have three or four planets in trine, okay? But they have to be in different signs, and it has to be the same element. Taurus is an earth sign, as is Virgo, and then there's Capricorn. But today we're talking about Taurus and Virgo. Earth signs are very much absorbed in one thought and one thought only, uh, which is how do I live in a world where everything ultimately falls apart? Now, that sounds a bit existential, and actually the earth signs are very existential. They're very concerned with how do I make something of myself in a world where things don't last? Do I become metaphysical or spiritual in some sort of way, or do I become industrious? As you can imagine, the answer is I will become industrious. So this is why earth signs are so concerned about finances or making the most of their material resources. They're also concerned with the passage of time, because with the passage of time, you have time running out on food that's kept in the refrigerator that's approaching an expiration date. How many of the earth signs have gone to the back of the refrigerator and looked at uh, some of the products and the items back there and seen the expiration date? And instead of throwing it out, opened it up and ate it very quickly. 
Okay, this is something that earth signs do. They want to make the most of their material resources and they want to make the most of their time. This is what makes earth signs so productive. And what I mean by productive, because earth signs are all about tangibles, is that they have to see a result at the end of the day of, the, of all the hard work that they've done. So if they begin the day with a to-do list or they're under deadline or they have to reach such and such a target by such and such a time, earth signs will make themselves produce and deliver according to a deadline. In fact, for an earth sign, a deadline is their best friend. So earth signs don't believe that their day has been worthwhile unless they produced something tangible, something that they can weigh in the palm of their hand like money. Okay, so this is something that's very important. It's not because they need to collect and hoard money, but it's because money is like bread or, or fruit. It's like food. It allows you to live. And earth signs are the providers of the zodiac. They very much care about the welfare of loved ones and friends and will work very hard and assiduously to uh, provide and to shelter them. So Taurus is a zodiac sign that we associate with uh, wealth and that we uh, associate with finances. And part of this comes from the second house, which is the house of, of finances. But actually what it comes from is the symbol of Taurus itself. Taurus, as we all know, is a bull. And indeed, cattle and chattel both derive from the medieval Latin word capital, which is where we get the word capitalism. The root caput, capitalism, caput. So the root caput means head. And as every rancher knows, head is the word you use for counting the number of cattle that you own. Bullish is how Wall Street describes the market when the price of stocks is going up. And cash cow is what we call any profitable venture produces regularly and with little effort, like milking a dairy cow um, every morning. So you see Taurus, the actual zodiac sign, Taurus, has been the symbol of wealth longer than money, as we know it, has been. So this is what gives Taurus its association with wealth, with money, with something that you own. And cattle was indeed the first sign of wealth. It predates coins and it predates any paper currency or, or, or even Bitcoin, okay? It predates all of that was how much cattle that you had. That showed that you were wealthy, all right? So, so here we've got this notion of, of, of capital, capitalism, uh, being associated to Taurus uh, which is an earth sign. And we've already established that earth signs are very concerned about the money that they make and the fact that time is ticking. Okay, the great fear of earth signs is being without. Uh, the great fear of earth signs is actually being kicked to the side of the road and treated like you're redundant or you're useless or, or you're of no value. So earth signs, each in their own particular way, will strive to work very hard to make themselves of value. And value comes with ownership. All right, so we've got Jupiter and Uranus in the zodiac sign of Taurus. So when we look at Jupiter in Taurus, um, that's kind of easy. I mean, Jupiter is the planet of good fortune and higher purpose. So Jupiter, with its, with its association to 
luck and fortune and things uh, looking great and growth, that all makes a natural fit with the zodiac sign of Taurus. But what about Uranus? All right, what about Uranus? Uranus is the planet of revolution and change in astrology. When Uranus enters a sign, like it entered Taurus in 2018, when Uranus first enters, enters a sign, it turns everything up onside its head. Uh, it, it essentially kicks over the game board and sends all the chess pieces flying in all directions. Uranus is a rule changer. It's revolution and change. And that's indeed what many people born under Taurus and the other fixed signs like Leo and Scorpio and Aquarius experienced at the start of 2018. The world being turned upside down or inside out in a very radical way. This occurred probably around the time that Uranus first entered Taurus, which was May 2018, retrograded back out in the fall, but came back in like gangbusters for January 2019. Okay, so th those are the dates that if they ring a bell, now you know why they do. But the thing is, when, when people were talking about Uranus first entering Taurus, when people were like saying, Uranus is entering a Taurus, tell us what the future portends, stargazer. Okay, um, many, many astrologers talked about revolution and change and upset in money and in the markets and economies. And that made perfect sense. Some astrologers went back and looked at history. The last time that Uranus was traveling through the zodiac sign of Taurus, and that, of course, was in the 1930s, following the stock market crash and coinciding with the rise of fascism around the world and particularly Nazism in Germany. Cheery thoughts about our future. Okay, but all of these things were basically related to tectonic shifts that were taking place in economies during that period of time. And so, because astrologers spend as much time studying history as we do with stars guiding us into the future, that was something that was naturally brought up, and, and, and smartly so. But although we have experienced the rise of very conservative powers uh, in the world, things happen differently. They, uh, there's not a script that's written for predicting the future. We have seen change, change in economy. There was a lot of talk of, of cryptocurrency and bitcoins and things like this. And a lot of that went poof, up in smoke very, very quickly. We did go through economic changes. We had a pandemic and the pandemic brought about extraordinary changes in the world. It's the first time that the world total, you know, in the entire world has shut down all at the same time. And this was an incredible stress on our psyches. This was an incredible stress on our economies. This was an incredible stress on workers. People were suddenly out of work. If you were in a restaurant, you couldn't, you know, uh, serve people. The restaurant perhaps was closed. There was a great deal of uh, demand that was put on what was called essential workers. That is people that were in the service of making sure that society continued to function. That went from everything from law enforcement to people in the health industries. Uh, nurses and ambulance drivers and doctors suddenly found themselves on the front line of a war. These were people who were trained to run hospitals, not to suddenly find themselves in mash units, making not only decisions about life and death, but making decisions about life and death on a, a revolving door basis, on, on an accelerated basis. And naturally, this took a tremendous toll on, on them. And so America 
along with the other nations of the world, did a lot of heavy thinking and reviewing about uh, the idea of labor and work before these changes and after. I remember um, before COVID this sort of comical note about Congress being in all, you know, uh, uh, wringing their hands about deciding about raising the minimum wage. Well, that became, you know, <laughs> that answered itself after COVID when, when people left the workforce and, and, and businesses were forced to lift the minimum wage. Who needed Congress for that? It was, you know, something that you took care of right away. Why am I bringing up these things? I'm bringing up these things because earth is the element of health and wealth. It's the easiest way to remember the earth signs. They are the signs of health and wealth. These are the things that concern them the most. And when you have major transits in earth signs like we have had recently, you have seen enormous changes in health and in wealth. What you've also seen is an abiding anxiety about the things, and it's more than abiding anxiety, Christopher. I would say it's an increasing anxiety about all things Uranian. Okay, Uranus is the planet of revolution and change, as I just mentioned. It's also the planet of technology, and it's also the planet of enlightenment. Uh, there were great technological and scientific revolutions that took place during the enlightenment, and Uranus, the modern planet, was discovered in 1781. Um, in the uh, closing years of the Enlightenment, really the height of the Enlightenment. So perhaps you've heard a lot of talk of AI, artificial intelligence, and all these sorts of things, and how artificial intelligence is going to revolutionize the workplace. It's going to revolutionize our lifestyles. Uh, it's going to revolutionize health and, and health care. So, so this is all very in keeping with Uranus, the planet of revolution and change. Uranus, a planet discovered at the height of the Enlightenment. Uranus, a planet associated with modern technology. All of these things make sense with Uranus uh, passing through the zodiac sign of Taurus, and it's there for roughly about seven, maybe eight-ish years. Okay, so here we have this notion of, of AI. Here we have this notion of technology. Um, and, the, and again, we get people sort of in two camps. So on one hand, it's like, technology, that's so exciting. I can't wait. You know, I take a Promethean pleasure in being able to see what lies beyond the next bend. Okay, and then you have people who are like, oh my God, we're going to be wiped out. We're going to be taken over by robots. We won't be able to tell the difference between ourselves and a cyborg. What next does the future hold? What fresh hell awaits? Okay, so you sort of get split into these two camps. But the wonderful thing about a planet like Uranus, moving through a zodiac sign like Taurus, it's true of all Earth signs, but particularly a zodiac sign like Taurus is that Taurus, like all the Earth signs, slows things down. Okay. We don't have Uranus going through a fire sign, which is one sensation from another. Can't wait. Or Uranus going through an air sign, which is like, this is one idea. That's another idea. Here could be another idea. I wonder how they all go together, but maybe they don't. Okay, so with Uranus going through an Earth sign, it's literally, let's bring these highfalutin concepts back down to Earth. Okay, so already an Earth sign will slow down the rate of Uranus. But what it will also do 
is confront Uranus with the question, how do you bring these highfalutin ideas down to earth? Okay, show me what this is going to do in our day-to-day lives, all right? And this is one of the great questions that's being asked right now. Now, I want to bring in uh, the idea of Uranus and Taurus and their placement in the sky. Uranus and Taurus, Uranus and Jupiter are in Taurus, and let's talk about their placement in the sky. Uranus and Jupiter are planets in a zodiac sign, Christopher, okay, and they are in the zodiac sign of Taurus, all right. And they're in an Earth sign and an Earth sign trines another Earth sign. And the other planet we're going to talk about today is Mercury, which rules and exalts in the zodiac sign of Virgo. Now, not only do we have a trine that's going on here, which is a harmonious energy, okay, the planets are going to get along. Uh, Uranus, instead of being revolutionary and volatile, is going to be enlightening and helpful, okay? Uh, it, it's going to bring enlightenment and advancement when it's trining. That's actually one of the more positive expressions of Uranus uh, in aspect to another planet in a sign. And so here it is. It's part of a trine that's going to be taking place with Mercury. And Mercury is the way that we think. And so this is where we have enlightenment or where we're going to find solutions to problems that that have stumped us. We're going to work it out. Um, And so this is a very positive sign. This is something that we can look forward to. Now, Mercury is uh, the faster-moving planet, okay? Uh, Jupiter takes 12 years to go through all 12 signs of the zodiac. Uranus goes through one sign in seven years. You know, Mercury just zips on through the signs, all right? It just goes right through the 12 signs unless it's retrograde, and then it, like, gets back to zipping through the signs. So Mercury, you have to remember, is quick and zippy. Mercury is in Virgo, okay? And Jupiter and Taurus are in Jupiter and Uranus. Can we stop doing that? Jupiter and Uranus are in the zodiac sign of Taurus. So in zodiacal order, Virgo is ahead of Taurus. So Uranus and Jupiter aren't looking behind their shoulder to see where Mercury is, like is Mercury behind us, like in Capricorn? No, Uranus and Jupiter are looking ahead to Mercury, which is in Virgo, which is further along in the Zodiac than than Taurus is. Why does this matter? It matters because it's a supportive trine. In other words, uh, Jupiter and Uranus are supporting Mercury, okay, because Mercury is out ahead of them. So they're following Mercury in the sky. So they're supportive of Mercury. Now, just to sort of compare and contrast and make a point, if, you're, if Mercury were in Capricorn, it would be racing to catch up to Jupiter and Uranus. And that is um, a horoscope highlight for another day. All right. So, so here we're talking about uh, Jupiter and Uranus and Taurus, and they're catching up. They won't catch up to Mercury. Mercury is too quick, but they're in a supportive or following stance in, in terms of this trine. So this is very helpful, and this is supportive. What's important to remember here is that Mercury is leading the way because Mercury is ahead. It's ahead of them in this trining energy. So we already touched upon the fact that Mercury is about the planet of how I think. You know, what I think is described by Mercury. How I think, how I learn is described by Mercury. Okay, 
So Mercury is very much the planet of the mind, and it's also the planet of messaging. A lot of times in astrology class, you know, I'll say, what's Mercury the planet of? And I'll get communication. I'll be like, what kind of communication? I don't know. It's like, no, 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 no. What kind of communication? Okay, and this is what Mercury describes. For each person, uh, uh, Mercury will be, Mercury goes through 12 signs of the zodiac. So Mercury can communicate or messages in 12 very different ways. So it's not just communication, but what kind of communication? And usually it's one-on-one communication. Okay. Uh, but it is still communication. It's actually not just one-on-one communication because there's mass media and mass media is definitely uh, ruled by Mercury. Christopher working out ideas in his head. But anyway, so here we are. So what kind of communication? Well, Mercury is showing up in the zodiac sign of Virgo. And of course, it's going to be analytical. How do I break this down? Uh, how do I teach someone how to use this? How do I communicate information that empowers or enables someone, really more enables someone um, so that they could begin a practice? It's, uh, Mercury in Virgo is a great spot for mentors and for teachers, uh, pe- uh, uh, people for, who are showing you how to do something so that you can do it for yourself. That's a very quick way of looking at Mercury in Virgo. But there's a little bit more to it than that. Last week, we talked about the goddess Demeter, um, and her Roman name is Ceres. Demeter, like Saturn, were both agricultural deities, okay? Meaning that these were the two deities that showed humankind how to fend for themselves in a world where things ultimately fall apart, all right? And you do it through, in early uh, history, you did it first through hunting and gathering. And then after that, you did it through farming. And farming brought about property. And there's a whole world history lesson that follows from that. Okay. But what's interesting, for instance, about this relationship between Saturn and Demeter, and Demeter, as you know, is a daughter of Saturn. She's one of the children he swallowed, is that if you look at the glyph of Saturn, it's a small case H with a cross. Okay. And that's uh, on the upper part of it, and that's meant to um, be a, a, a scythe. But when you flip that Saturn uh, uh, glyph upside down, you get Ceres, okay? Uh, you actually get a sort of what looks like a C going down to a root, and there's a cross, and that's also a scythe. So these, this was to symbolize that both deities were associated to agriculture. Um, Saturn was very much about farmers and farming. That's what he stood for, uh, laborers, as was Ceres, because people who harvested the grain, and Ceres was a grain goddess, were laborers. And so Ceres, especially when we get into the Roman interpretation of the Greek uh, pantheon of gods, uh, Ceres was a goddess of the common folk, the common workers, the common laborers. Okay, so that's where she took sides um, against the elite, okay, or the people who who owned the slaves. Okay, she she uh, sympathies were for the worker or the um, laborer or the enslaved people who had to work and work very hard for a living. This is something that Ceres and Saturn both have in common uh, in the uh, understanding of of these planets. So. 
what I sort of want to return to here for a quick moment, if I may, is that I mentioned before that cattle and the word chattel both uh, derive from the same medieval root of capitale, okay, which is uh, where we get the word capitalism. What is chattel? Chattel nowadays, when you look it up, will mean movable property, okay? It goes with ca- cattle, okay? If you own cattle, um, you're moving them uh, across uh, Western Plains states from one place to another um, to be gathered to, uh, I, I don't know, they move them back and forth. I think it was to go and like to slaughter them or graze them or, or whatever. But anyway, uh, the whole point here is that it's movable It's movable property. Okay, that was the understanding of it. The earlier use of the word chattel was it was synonymous with slavery. All right. And um, because slavery was seen as movable property that someone could own. They weren't people. They were owned. Okay. And so that's the association with chattel. Um, Slaves were on a lower rung than serfs who were a little bit above a slave. Okay, serfs or serfdom, um, which comes out of Europe, was the idea of a peasant or a worker. They weren't owned by uh, the uh, landlord, actually, which is (laughs) what the real reference was to lords of estates that serfs lived and worked on. Okay, that's where we get our term landlord for a building where you rent rent an apartment. Um, but they they weren't owned by the Lord, but they might as well been almost in a way because they were so heavily taxed and they were so heavily restrained and treated so shabbily by those in power and with wealth um, that that, you know, they were better than a slave on paper, maybe. But for all intents and purposes, they were treated very, very poorly. Okay, out of this comes a history of labor, labor movement, and workers. And guess what the zodiac sign of labor, laborers, and workers is? Well, when do we celebrate Labor Day? Um, The zodiac sign of work and of labor and servants is the zodiac sign of Virgo. And part of the Virgoan archetype is Ceres or Demeter. Um, who is the protectress of those uh, of the uh, of like an underclass? Okay, when we're talking about workers and laborers, we're not talking about entrepreneurs who are going to like make it one day and go on a TED talk and run for president or something after writing a book. Uh, uh, we're talking about people who work very, very, very hard for a living. Uh, maybe there hasn't been much uh, intergenerational wealth that's been passed down, and and they 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 do the jobs that other people don't really, really want to do. Um, One can be doing very well in a corporation, for instance, and they can be like, oh, you know, I'm not a laborer until you all of a sudden have a strike. Okay. And uh, and like, for instance, (laughs) SAG-AFTRA. Okay. The writer's strike at Hollywood and the Hollywood actors, um, you know, who go on strike all of a sudden, they realize that, you know, they do belong to someone higher up than them. They, they belong to a studio or, or a corporation, which employs them to produce uh, television shows, movies, and all these sorts of things. 
why am I going into all this? I'm going to work in, weave in the Uranus right now. Um, in the case of the uh, writers actors strike, the actors and writers are asking the studios for higher pay. Okay, that's typically why someone goes on strike. But there's an added Uranian element. They are also asking to tighten the regulation on the use of artificial intelligence in creative projects. Okay. Now, you might be like, well, where, where does that come in? Um, if you've seen a film like, uh, let's say it's... Um, the Gladiator. Okay, Gladiator, right? Uh, you watch Gladiator, and you know, there's 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 gladiators and sweat and 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 little little skirts and they're battling one another with blood and sweat and sand and all these kinds of things, right? And and they and the gladiator Russell Crowe turns to the crowd after defeating his opponent and 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 lifts his arms in victory and the crowd is huzzah huzzah gladiator uh, four two six one you have lived to gladiate another day and the crowd is going wild and and, and crazy you know but it's up to Caesar you know will this gladiator be allowed to live or not and so Caesar takes out his thumb. And if he turns it down, that means kill the gladiator. But if he turns it up and keeps it up with an emphasized keeping up my thumb gesture, that means the gladiator lives and he can live for another day. And gladiators, as you could imagine, were slaves. They were slave uh, uh, athletes. Um, and, 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 and they literally fought for their lives because if they lost the battle, they were killed on the spot. They no human rights, and they were the property of the Caesar, of the emperor. And so, um, but, but when you look at Gladiator, those crowd scenes where they're like, huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. Um, those crowd scenes in Gladiator or in Game of Thrones or um, in those Hobbit stories, um, those aren't all extras that have gotten together and they're like eating lunch or whatever, and now they're coming out and waving. They were produced artificially, okay, through special effects. So what happened is that they, you know, had a group of actors, but then the actors were essentially multiplied to form a mass, okay? That's something that um, an earlier version of AI has been doing uh, for our uh, entertainment for, for years. But where the actors have gotten very sensitive about this with the introduction of AI is that they can now take a screen test of an actor, okay, um, or they can take an image of an actor, and then they can manipulate that image so that the actor appears in a crowd scene in a Civil War movie, or a future movie, or a gladiator movie, or a Contiki movie, or whatever have you. They can manipulate the image of that actor once they have the original impression. And this is what the actors are saying, whoa. This is going to put us out of business, and so we have to go on strike, and we have to put these things into a contract. Now, let's talk about the um, auto strike that's taking place. Uh, again, uh, the auto strike is taking place in part because the auto workers want more pay. You don't go on strike unless you want more pay, okay? But again, we have AI or uranium component showing up here. Workers are trying to defend jobs as manufacturing. Uh, shifts from internal combustion to batteries. In other words, EVs or electric vehicles. 
because electric cars have fewer parts, they can be made with fewer workers than gasoline vehicles. And if you look at what it costs to build an EV, which are the initials for electric vehicle, labor, manual labor, is a very small part of that equation. Batteries are the most. The, the battery itself is actually the bigger, uh, uh, more expensive element in that. So here we have labor unions going on strike. Again, part of it is for greater pay. Okay, they, don't, they feel like they're being exploited. And if you're part of a union, you can, and a strong union, you can go on strike and, and you, can put, uh, you can put a pause button on that. But the other thing that's really important, and this is where it gets into the mercury, is that um, the other reason they're going on strike is AI, artificial intelligence. Is artificial intelligence, like with any great revolution in industry, is it going to take away jobs and leave people unemployed? All right. Um, are uh, artificial uh, replicated images of actors and actresses going to replace the real thing? You know, so that um, instead of hiring actors and actresses as extras, and a lot of them work as extras, they just do a copy and paste. And so you don't have to deal with the actor or actress at all. Or um, in that transition to electric vehicles, uh, which is basically saying that this is a foregone conclusion. We are all switching to electric vehicles. There's lots of talk of what we can do to combat climate change and the shifts and changes that need to take place in industries. Interestingly enough, this strike is about that. Um, the auto industry here in the United States has to choose between gas or electric. They can't do it halfway. And by the um, laborers of the auto unions, uh, striking right now and revisiting that contract, it's a very real commitment to labor moving forward into a world that is transitioning to what we call or is part of green energy. What's fascinating about this, aside from like science fiction now exists, okay, what's fascinating aside from that is that the process has been slowed down. The process has been slowed down to be digested, slowed down so that it is digestible, so that um, the workers' concerns are uh, uh, championed or preserved, uh, that the public understands why this is taking place and understands what it's going to mean for, for us, people who aren't part of these strikes right now. But what are these changes going to mean for us in our day-to-day -day lives? What are they going to mean for us You know, when we're looking at jobs and this all falls into the area of Virgo, okay? Remember, Labor Day was created by a union leader, and it, it, it occurs in the season of Virgo. Um, so it falls in the realm of Virgo, but it's also Mercury. Mercury is uh, the planet of message and communicating. Mercury is also the art of the deal, okay? It's, it's the planet that works out the pros and cons. Um, it's the go-between. It goes between party A and party B. So Mercury is negotiating and trying to figure out a new way of living. When you're dealing with lifestyle, these fall to the third and sixth houses, which in the archetypal chart are often associated with Mercury. Okay, um, uh, the third house is your neighborhood around you uh, and and and. You know, are you part of the neighborhood or outside of it? You want to be part of a neighborhood. So 
you make friends or or it's a neighborhood where people share values or 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 things like this. Um uh and so this is this is the third house. And then the sixth house is who you work with. It's your co-workers. It's work, health, and service, but it's also who you work with and your and your co-workers. So Mercury has a lot to do with how people are banding together or how they're coming together. And that, of course, brings us back to Jupiter. Because whenever you're dealing with Jupiter, named after the uh, polis, the Greek city-state, uh, Jupiter is about the welfare of the community. It's about the welfare of group. So how is all of this translating? First of all, we're not getting a future shock here, okay? We're not being told, like, this is the way the future is going to be. You better step up to the plate and, and get rid of these old industries and take on these new ones and, you know, that's it, okay? That's not the way it's happening. It's transitioning, but instead of being an abstraction, or worse, instead of being a policy that the American Congress has to decide on, okay, it's being taken right to the people, okay? A worker is a consumer, Okay, uh, you can't go and take and have all these people out of work because your society is going to collapse. So it has to work with, you know, per, uh, someone who's working for a corporate interest or, 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 or government or something along those lines and who's also a consumer of a product. Okay, the two of them are not, you know, uh, versus one versus the other. They have to come together. And there's some very real planning that's going on through this strike, which corporations do not like, okay? But there's some very real planning about how that future is going to look. And it's being done at the negotiation table, and it's being done by revisiting uh, contracts and really mapping out how that future is going to look. And this, again, is what's so fascinating about Uranus and Jupiter in Taurus. Uranus brings about the innovation, okay? It's like, we're, we're going here. AI is not going away. It's, it's we're going here, and it's going to change the way that we work, and it's going to change the way that we consume, okay? And our expectations about, about that, okay? So Uranus has introduced it in the zodiac sign of Taurus, so it's a very real thing, okay? And then what Jupiter is doing is something that Jupiter doesn't, isn't typically known for, Uranus is a planet of revolution, but Jupiter, Jupiter is a planet of reform. So what's really important, there's a reason. There's a reason why the two zodiac signs ruled by Jupiter are mutable signs, okay? Cardinal signs is this is what we're doing. Uh, fixed signs are like, no, that's not what we're doing. And the mutable signs go back and forth between the cardinal and fixed signs trying to find a way. Uh, to work out the differences. And Jupiter, fascinatingly, rules mutable signs. So Jupiter isn't my way or the highway, or you're in or you're out. Jupiter's trying to find a way to integrate everyone, to reform, to take what's been a standard practice and instead of revolutionizing it, you know, and, and Uranus can be a little extreme with throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, um, who cares about the baby? Okay, so Uranus can be a little extreme like that, but 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 Jupiter is. What about what came before can be reworked for what's up and coming? How can we take a new idea or fresh direction and make it understandable, make it inviting for the greater community? 
Okay, so it's not just change for change's sake or radical change that leaves people in a state of shock. It's a very deliberate change based on reform. We are going to reshape. We are going to reform what we have um, and, and find what's going to be useful moving forward and, and let go of the things that, that, that we have outgrown. Um, this is an interesting idea. I mean, I, I mean, this is like a great idea. This is what's going on in the stars. And, and some of us might feel like, well, okay, that's great for like labor unions and corporations, but what, the, what does this have to do with me? There's a lesson there for all of us. I mean, aside from the fact that what's happening with labor unions and corporations are affecting us all right now as a society and in our different countries and cultures, um, but the, the world itself is going through a reform. You know, it's going through a reshaping of what it is. And one of the areas that's getting reformed or reshaped are the economies and also, um, to some degree, a reallocation of wealth a reworking of the idea of wealth. Uh, when you have a wealth gap and it becomes wider and wider and wider, that ends up resulting in coups and revolutions. Okay, so that's like not a good thing. Okay, I mean, there can be revolution, like things have to change, but coups and revolutions can be like, we're going to overthrow this person and now, you know, like run wild through the streets. I mean, there's different forms and aspects of that. Reform is nice when it's working because it introduces people to changes. People can assimilate those changes into their day-to-day -day lives, and it becomes digestible. And as you know, Virgo rules the intestines. It rules the digestion, uh, digestive system. So Virgo is very much about how do I digest this information? And that's very much what's going on. And you can even apply it to your own life. I mean, you might be experiencing places in your life where you're feeling very empowered economically or at work, where, uh, where you are actively negotiating with a client and superior and perhaps reworking terms that are more appropriate to what your current working relationship is. So this isn't about, um, you know, complaining or criticizing or whatever. Where, where the information or the wisdom or the help can come in your own life is sitting down and seeing, you know, if there's something you want to change in terms of your employment or your finance or something about this, it's about negotiation. So it's about going in with a plan, with an idea, with an offer. Don't wait for your superior or your client to make you an offer. Go in if you're feeling this way, and many of you probably are, go in with an offer. You know, what's my what's our what's our future look like? You know, these are the things that I would like to see happen in this situation. What would you like to see happen? You know, um, when people who are higher up in status are approached that way, and particularly in a collaborative way, you actually meet with a more cooperative or receptive audience than otherwise in any case. Uh, these trine aspects that we are experiencing this week. This, by the way, um, this, by the way, is a sneak peek of uh, things to come. And what I'm talking about primarily is the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction in the zodiac sign of Taurus that will be taking place in 2024. This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. 
You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.